Well, I want to congratulate each and every one of you, whatever campus you're at, whether you're in Cornwall, Canada, Orleans, online, it is an honor for me to be with you all today. And I want to congratulate you because this Sunday and then this week, we are finishing season one of Becoming Heartstrong together. Yep. 12 weeks. And so by Friday, we will have journeyed from Matthew to Acts while highlighting Sabbath. Uh, we have averaged 150 of you joining us Monday through Thursday on Zoom, whether it's in the morning or the evening. Listen to this. In terms of those of you who don't get up or don't join us in the evening live, uh, 1,425 of you monthly have been engaging replay, and 1,400 of you have been engaging through the podcast. It's pretty awesome. And 2,000 of you, of course, uh, in Cornwall, Canada, Orleans, and online uh, are tracking with us on Sundays. And so, well done. Uh, today, I want to take us to Acts 27. So, in any campus, if you have your Bible, I want you to locate Acts 27. We're going to read a little lengthier portion of Scripture today. We're going to comment as we go through it. Not a lot, but we're going to make some comments. And here's what I want you to know. I want to bring you to Bible school. Oh, I know. I am so sorry. I want to bring you to Bible school for a quick lesson. In particular, for a church like ours that would be charismatic or Pentecostal. What I, I even said it, Pentecostal. I, I said it the right way. Um, but what I want you to know is that the first part of biblical interpretation is not you trying to find something in the scriptures that only you can see. That's actually the first step in terms often into deception. What you want to do first is try to understand precisely what the author intended by writing this portion of scripture under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, okay? So the first point of good biblical study is understanding what the author intended, not just what is God speaking to me about it. See what I'm saying? It's a different thing. And so we want to look at Acts 27, which is a story about a journey of Paul's. It is a story of God taking Paul from where he is to where God wants him next. And in the midst of the journey, there's going to be a tremendous storm. And so I want to be very careful not to allegorize the scripture. It is Paul's story. It is a story of Paul going from one place to another with hundreds of others on a ship. This is the story. But it can speak to a bit of us in terms of a journey. But it's not like, it's Paul's story. You hear what I'm saying? So we want to get what the author intended while looking at that there can be some overarching principles, but we can't make the principles the main thing. We got to keep this as Paul's story, the main thing that's important. Today is a story for those of you in particular who know that you can't stay here, but are unsure of where it is that you're going. You may not be here in this season of your life, but I promise you at one point or another in your life, you will be here. That either it is the pain of where you are is too much that you can't stay here, whether it is simply circumstantial you can't stay here any longer, or it could be a dream and a desire that I can't just do nothing. I can't stay here, but I don't necessarily know how to get there. That's this story. Acts 27 is the story of Paul setting sail for Rome. And due to the season, everyone say due to the season. Paul advises them not to set sail, but knowing that they can't stay and that the ship won't survive the winter season, they set sail, they depart. 
And on the ship where Paul was a part of, there are 276 souls that are sailing in the autumn seas, which are not the summer seas. They are frigid waters, not calm, cool waters. And they're going to encounter an unrelenting storm. I've heard many preachers talk about seasons in our lives, just as the natural and the spiritual have parallels, so too does this reality of our hearts and lives, that there are autumn seasons and there are spring seasons and winter seasons and summer seasons. And this is an autumn season, and autumn seasons are marked by, in nature, trees letting go of the leaves and the things that were good to hunker down for a winter season for a season of rebirth and renewal in terms of spring and summer. And so autumn seasons are different. They're marked by change. They're marked by letting go. And they are best described, I think, using this phrase, what got you here won't get you there. What got you here is good, but it won't get you there. You know, what gets you to faith in Christ is good, but what gets you to faith in Christ is, Christ is enough, yes, I'm not misunderstanding that, but oftentimes what gets you to put your faith in Christ will not sustain the whole journey. In other words, God has other steps for you along the way to learn and to grow and to trust in who he is. So what got you there is good, but it's not the only step. When you gave your life to Jesus, when you decided to follow Jesus, that was simultaneously a finish line, I am done with living this way, and it was a starting point of a whole new way of living and trusting God and following Christ. And here's Paul, he has decided to follow Jesus, but now he is learning to trust God's provision and plan. He knows that he cannot stay here, and he is going to where God has him next. Again, this is a story of knowing that we can't stay here while getting there will surface. It will require change and it'll surface what we truly trust. Between where you are and where you are going, storms will surface, often in moments of change. And here's the beautiful thing or the challenging thing is when you go through a storm, here's one thing that is true of all of us. Every one of us will be changed. But the most important question is not Will we be changed, but will we be transformed to be more like Christ on the other side of the storm? Brothers and sisters, followers of Jesus, and for those of you who are here who are not yet followers of Jesus, spiritual maturity and, and growing, to, you know, growing and following Jesus is not ethereal. It's not. It is very specific and it is very rooted that at the end of our lives, whenever that happens to be, that you and I, you and I look and we love and we lead others like and we live more like Jesus than we do right now. The Holy Spirit is not working just to make you more compassionate. He may be making you compassionate, which is making you more like Jesus. Every single one of us have the same aim, to be more like Jesus. Our life circumstances are different, but the work of the Spirit in us is the same, to make us more like Christ. That's what we're all doing by following Jesus. Are you ready to dig into Acts 27? Let's go. It says, now when the south wind blew gently, which by the way is foreshadowing, foreshadowing, foreshadowing. How many of you like south winds that blow gently? Oh. Okay, that has nothing to do with what the story is going to be. <laughs> Supposing they had obtained their purpose, I'm now, they weighed anchor, Sorry, I'm starting to read it, verse uh, 13. Now, when the south wind blew gently, supposing they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete close to the shore. 
when you and I are in seasons of autumn, when sometimes we want to set sail and we want to follow Jesus, but we also want to be really close to the shore because we're trusting, but we're not so trusting. This is what they're doing. But soon, a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. What is a Northeaster? It is when two climates collide, when light and dark collide. It can create a certain type of storm. Hot and cold collide, and it creates a storm. Struck down from the land, and when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. In other words, they are no longer in control. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way. Running under the lee of a small island called Kauda, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. So there's the ship, and there's a boat on the ship. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then, fearing that they would run aground on the Cytus, they be- or Sirtis, I should say, they began to jettison the cargo. This is Paul's story. But oftentimes, autumn seasons are you and I in the midst of what we experience beginning to let go of things that served us in one season, but where we are now, it is time to begin to let those things go. And thus, they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began to jettison the cargo, and on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. And when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us, and all hope of being saved was at last abandoned. When it says in the scriptures that there was no sun or there was no stars that appeared for many days, they didn't have modern maps and compasses as we do. And so they used the sun and the stars to get geolocations of where they were. And here's all I want you to know. When you are in a storm, oftentimes when God is taking you from what you have known and where you were to where you're going, I promise you, when you say yes to trusting Jesus, there is a season of disorientation. There is a season of like, where I can't really sort out what's up, what's down, where I'm going. Have anybody said yes to follow Jesus and then discovered that it is harder than you imagined? Right? When you didn't follow Jesus, resisting temptation was not something you naturally did. You just sort of gave into it. And now that you're following Jesus, all of a sudden it's like, well, man, I used to do that and that was really fun and now I'm following Jesus and I have no fun. <laughs> we lose our sense of direction. This is just part of Paul's story. And it says that 275 on the ship I'd added that. It says, all hope of being saved was at last abandoned. And since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, men, you should have listened to me and not set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you, verse 22, to take heart. Listen to Paul. He's one of the 276, and he says, I'm urging you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you. And everyone said... In the midst of a storm, that is a word of hope. There will be no loss of life among you. But that's not all Paul says. He says to the 275 on board, there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. Turn the person beside you and say, that is not comforting. (laughs) If you are on a ship in the middle of the sea, and Paul says, Don't worry. Don't worry. We're just going to lose one thing. 
You're like, great, let's throw Steve overboard. He's been annoying me the whole trip. No, Steve's staying. We're going to lose only one thing, the ship. Mm-hmm. That's what he says. Yeah. Watch the difference in Paul compared to the 275. For this very night there stood before me an angel of, of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith, Paul says, I have faith in God. Not the ship. Not the job. Not the promotion. Not the created thing. I have faith in the creator. I have faith in something that is higher and authoritative even than the storm that we're experiencing. For I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. When the 14th night had come, picture it, for 14 days they are experiencing nothing but storm, no assured survival other than the word of Paul on the ship to a God that they don't yet trust. Paul says to them, we're going to get there. I mean, the ship, no, but we're going to get there. And 14 days, the 14th night had come as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea. About midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land, so they took a sounding and found 20 fathoms. A little farther, they took a sounding again, and they found 15 fathoms. And fearing that they might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. In the midst of an autumn season, in the midst of a storm season in life, how many of you know that you begin to pray for day to come, for light to come, for this to abate, for this season to end? I don't know if you've ever been in a season that feels you're being buffeted from the left, from the right, from the front, from the back, from the top, and from the bottom. That's what they're experiencing. And they are praying for day to come. In other words, they are praying for peace. They are praying for calm. They are praying for the circumstances that they are in to change. And this is not a wrong prayer. But sometimes where God is at work is not in changing the circumstances. He is at a deeper place at work changing you in the midst of the circumstances. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, they had lowered the ship's boat to the sea under pretense of laying out the anchors of the bow. And Paul said to the centurions and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the rope of the ship's boats and let it go. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them to take some food, saying, today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength. For not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And everyone said? Amen. Where did Paul learn that? Not a hair on your head will perish. Well, my definition of that and God's definition of not a, head on, a hair on my head will perish are sometimes different. Yeah. Paul has just told them not a hair on your head will perish. 
but we're going to lose the whole ship in the middle of the Adriatic Sea, but you're going to be good. Interesting. When he had said these things, Paul gives them example. He does not serve communion to them, but he gives them an example and he shows them that his faith is in God. And when he had said these things, he took bread, Paul, giving thanks to God in the presence of all. He breaks it and he begins to eat. It says, then they were encouraged and ate some them food themselves. We were in all 276 persons in the ship. Pause. This is the story of Paul setting sail from where he was to Italy, to Rome. He's going to end up first in Malta before he makes his way there. But here's all I want you to know. How you go through the storm affects others around you. You're not the savior. You're not the hero. But you have a part to play in how you go. Your trust and faith in God can be a testimony even to those who don't believe in God. How you break bread, how you engage what you know to be true is a testimony even to those who do not believe. It says, now when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea. At the same time, loosening the ropes that tied the rudders, then hoisting the foresail to the winds, they made for the beach, but striking a reef in the midst of the Adriatic Sea, they ran the vessel aground. The bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. Pause. How many of you have ever skydived before? Skydove in? No, no. Been skydiving. Can I see your hands, please, if you've done it? Okay. How many of you have never been skydiving before? Okay. I haven't either, and I have no interest. Um, But here's what I know. If I was to bring up a skydiving expert right now and to give us all a lesson on how to skydive, how many, of us would, how many of you would pay attention to about 10%? Okay? If I took you up into the plane and you had the pack on your back and the door opened and someone's foot was at your behind, how many of you would pay attention differently? Okay. You're not in the midst of the Adriatic Sea. You may, may or may not be in an autumn season, but I promise you, Tuck this in your heart, because every single one of you in Christ is going to skydive at some point. And when you're out in the midst, you need to remember what it is and who it is that is with you. So by striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow stuck, remained immovable. The stern is being broken up. What Paul said is happening. The ship is now coming apart. And the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. There is redemptive part of your story that impacts the story of others. This is Paul's story. I'm just saying there's some elements Watch this. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard because now the ship is breaking apart. They're in the midst of the Adriatic Sea. It is not summer. It is autumn. The water is frigid. They cannot stay here long. 
They have to get from where they are to where they need to go quickly. It says this. He ordered them who could swim to jump overboard first and to make for land. And then in the book of Acts, it writes, and the rest of the planks or on the pieces of the ship. And so it was that all, everyone say all, were brought safely to land. Now, unlike the other 11 disciples of Jesus, Paul has only heard stories. There's another scripture that we can pull on where Jesus tells his then 12 disciples, get into a vessel, go across the Sea of Galilee because we're going to the other side. In the midst of their journey, a storm comes. Jesus rebukes the winds and the waves and the storm itself is calm. Paul has heard that story. But as Pastor Barry shared in Orleans last week, and if you're in Cornwall, Pastor Jeff, and Canada, Pastor Mitch, following Jesus is not a formula. It is faith in who Jesus is. If Paul locks his eye on God's gonna calm the storm, God's gonna calm the storm, God's gonna get to calm the storm, God's gonna calm. In this story, God doesn't calm the storm. And his provision is actually quite different. Paul is learning to trust God, including God is a promise-keeping God and he is a God who provides. So I wanna draw your heart towards verses 22 and 20 and 44. He says, yet again, or yet now, I urge you, take heart. Everyone say, take heart. Take heart. Take heart, as opposed to lose heart. In hard circumstances, it's very easy to lose heart. It's, it's the more difficult to take heart to be courageous. I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. Now verse 44, it says this, that the ship is now completely in tatters. What got them there can't get them there. What they started on in the journey can't get them to the end part of the journey. The ship is in complete tatters. But all around them, they are surrounded, all 276, they are surrounded by pieces and planks of God's provision to get them from where they are to where it is that God intends. Paul is learning to trust God more than what he can see. God's provision in this story is not he calms the storm. His provision is in pieces and planks of the ship that they can grab hold of in the midst of the frigid sea and get them from where they are to the beaches of Malta. In life, it's only natural to want to get from where we are to where we're going on a comfy ship sailing the smooth seas. And I've heard lots of messages like, man, if you are following, if you are in the will of God, it looks like comfy ship and smooth seas. But I want to tell you, if you are in the will of God, sometimes it looks like a comfy ship and a smooth sea in a summer season of life, and that is beautiful. If you are in one, milk it, love it, enjoy it, because winter is coming. 
Autumn is coming. Spring is coming. And this is what life is. There are different seasons in God. I don't want to rob your joy if you're in a summer season, but you may be in an autumn season where you are learning to let go of a thing that you are trusting like a ship and learning to look around and say, this may not be plan A, but God is still with me and there's provision, even if it's pieces and planks. Grab hold of them. They're all around you. Because in the in-between of where we are often to where we're going, there are storms. And sometimes storms arise as you endure um, remarkably unfair life events or circumstances that are beyond your control. Sometimes that creates storms in our lives. That's what Paul is in. It's just living in a lost and, watch, broken world. What is brokenness? That which is whole, like a ship, has become broken. God works all things for, but not all things are good. Yes? Not all things are good, but God works all things for good. And just because you can't see anything good does not mean that God cannot be working good in the midst of it. I am sure if you would have told all 276 before they boarded, set sail from where they were heading over to Italy, that the last 10% of your journey is going to be on pieces and planks of the ship, they would have said, that's not good. That's not good. But how many of you know when the alternative is drowning, you are thankful for the pieces and the planks and they become good? It's a beautiful, beautiful story. So sometimes storms arise because we endure remarkably unfair life events or circumstances. We live in a lost and broken world. We are homesick for a heaven where things are perfect, where the lion lies down with the lamb. That's just the heart that we long for, not where it is constant strife and conflict. We are homesick. But sometimes there are storms in our lives not because of unfair life events or circumstances, and I say this with, not sh with, with no shame and with no blame, but I say it truthfully and honestly. Sometimes the storms in our lives are just simply the consequences of really bad decisions that we have made that just showed up. And we blame God oftentimes when we're the architect of the entire experience. No blame, no shame, just truth and honesty. Sometimes we do really dumb things. And in the moment, maybe you have a consequent, maybe you don't. But dumb things eventually lead to storms. And sometimes there are other times when others make really harmful decisions which affect us profoundly. The brokenness in them creates a broken situation around us. And so how do we take heart in a storm, particularly if you're in an, an August or autumn season, I should say? Look for God's provision all around you, even if it is in the form of pieces and planks. Sometimes God will get you from here to there on the pieces that once felt so secure. And here's the journey, here's the tension, here's the challenge. You can focus on the lost ship, and that's all that's going to create you in your heart. If you focus on a lost ship, you will only cause you to lose heart. There are many of you that are heartbroken about even what is happening in our nation. If you, can only, if you only focus on what is broken in our nation, you will lose heart and you will lose faith in the God who is still at work in our nation. 
We need men and women of faith who are clear-eyed and big-hearted about what is, but are not about blaming the captain. They're not about blaming this. They're not blaming that. They are looking around and saying, God is at work in the mess of it. No, this is not plan A, but God is still on the throne. He's still got all things under control. It's not to live in delusion or denial. It is understanding this is a very hard season, but God is the God of all seasons, and he can be trusted. When you look at the world, yes, you can absolutely lose heart because there are things that rip our heart and our soul out every single day. And do not dismiss them. Do not deny them. Don't go into a shell. Don't pretend they're not happening. Don't do that. But also, too, don't only look at loss. See the God in the midst of it. It's like the old expression. When there's ever any tragedy, you can see the heartbreak in it, yes, but also see the first responders running into it. See those who are pushing into it. See the whole picture, in other words. And this is what Paul is doing. He is on the boat as a believer saying the whole story is not the ship and the storm. There is a God who is working out something here that is greater than I can see. And listen, Paul is not perfect, but he is different from all 275 else on the sea because he's a faith in who God is. How do you get through the storm as you remember There is a God who is greater than the storm, and sometimes he'll calm it. And sometimes everything that you're trusting in is going to break apart. And God isn't allowing things to break apart because he doesn't love you. It's because he does. And you're meant to grab onto that so you can get from where you are to the other side. You know, passing through the waters is a very familiar biblical story if you know anything about the Bible. We saw it play out for us here in Orleans today in these 12 individuals or 14 individuals and two in the first service. But you can think about Noah, who, by the way, how many of you love that God can open doors? The story of Noah is also that God can shut doors. Some of you are trying to open a door that God has shut. He didn't shut it because he doesn't love you. He shut it for your protection. Interesting. So from Noah to the children of Israel, Joshua and the Jordan, John the Baptist to Jesus, through the waters to the other side is this repeating metaphor in Scripture, and now we see it in Acts chapter 27. Again, planks and pieces are not anyone's plan A, yet God can use them to get you safely where he's next leading you. This is just a gentle reminder. Pieces and planks are temporary provision not forever provision, okay? Let me say that again. Pieces and planks are temporary provision, not forever provision. What what am I saying there? The Apostle Paul is getting from the Adriatic Sea with 275 other people to the shores of Malta on planks and pieces. That is God's provision. God's plan, though, is not for them to return to the shores of Malta on those planks and pieces and try to get back the whole sea to where they need to go next. Why do I say that? What's so silly about that? Because there are some of you who are holding on to temporary provision when you need to let it go and trust in the grander story of what God is doing. In God's hands, the insufficiency of a little boy's lunch creates momentary abundance. 
but God did not feed everyone from that point on with a little boy's lunch. It was temporary provision, planks and pieces. In the Old Testament, insufficient oil given from a widow creates oil that doesn't run dry. It is temporary provision to trust in a greater provision. A cloud the size of the man's hand where God is at work ends a drought. It's not how God provides rain all the time. It's temporary provision that God shows you, I am with you. You're not alone. You're going to make it through. You're going to get to the other side. But once again, don't cling to the plank. Cling to the one who created the opportunity for you to have a plank in the first place. Your faith is not getting deeper in the plank. It is in the person of Jesus Christ who promises to never leave you or forsake you. And so in Christ, I pray that if you are in a plank and peace season like Paul. Trust God by looking around you because there are divine pieces all around you. Your choice, focus on what was lost or see what God is asking you to let go of and trust him. And it ends here. Acts 28 verses 30 to 31. It says this. The story ends, by the way, with Paul in Rome. Paul where? Not in Rome how he thought he was going to get to Rome. But 276 end up on the shore of Malta. He lived there for two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with boldness and without hindrance. There are people in Rome who became followers of Christ because Paul, in the midst of an autumn season, learned to grab to a piece and plank to get him from where he was to where he needed to be for God to continue to lose his life. Loved ones, planks and pieces should not be the whole of your story, but they do play an integral part sometimes to get you from where you are to where you need to be. If you're in an autumn season, the psalmist would say to you, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Even if you're in the midst of the Adriatic Sea, holding on to a piece of a ship, God is faithful. Because even when faith is found by holding on to pieces, what you're holding on to is a greater promise that morning by morning, great is not your, great is his faithfulness. Amen.